0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Political Agenda with me, PJ Thump. Political Agenda is brought to you by New Narrative. And today we have my friend and editor-in-chief of Wake Up Singapore, Sean Francis Han. And we're here with the Late Breaking podcast to talk about the recent uh, trial and conviction of Jolovan Wam for um, illegal protest. Uh, But of course, before that, I am wearing a pink, yellow and green batik shirt. There are two of us sitting in front of a big map of Southeast Asia. My pronouns are he, him. This podcast is brought to you by New Narrative. We are entirely reliant on membership revenue, subscriptions and donations. Uh, So if you enjoy what you see, if you find it useful, if you'd like to support our work, please do join as a member at newnarrative.com/join or donate at newnarrative.com/donate and now subhash answer where you are where you come from where you think that you're
1: going to go
0: So it's just the two of us today and I'm here with Sean Francis Han, my friend and editor-in-chief of Wake Up Singapore. How are you today, Sean?
2: Yeah, I'm great. Nice uh, change of pace. Uh, it's just two of us and <laughs> I'm getting interviewed instead of doing the interviewing.
0: Yeah, well, this is what your second, well, I guess technically third because we split the first interview into yeah two, but uh, you've been on the podcast so much now. You're pretty much part of the furniture like i
2: <laughs> yeah and and i'm really excited to be like talking about this issue because you know it's something that um resonates with me deeply personally and then it's it's finally kind of come to its pretty ugly conclusion but really expected conclusion as well uh but before we go any further hi my name is sean francis han I'm from wake up singapore i'm wearing a black t-shirt with a skull on it black jeans as well uh and my pronouns are he him cool
0: Um, I should also mention to those of you listening on the podcast, we're also live streaming this on New Narrative's Discord channel, which at this point in time is available just to members of New Narrative. So if you join uh, as a member of New Narrative, you also get to do things like watch us record these podcasts live. So there are actually a lot of really cool benefits to um, being a member. And you can see just how many gaffes and um, you know, <laughs> mistakes that have to be edited out of the of the final podcast. So, anyway, on to a more serious note, the reason why we are talking right now is, of course, today we're recording Wednesday, seventeen February, and yesterday, uh, Tuesday, Jolovan Wam was sentenced to twenty two days in jail and eight thousand Sing dollars a fine for uh, three charges. Two of breaching the Public Order Act and one of vandalism, if mm-hmm. I if I remember correctly, um, and the the chief charge that was levied against him was for organizing a protest on an MRT train back in 2017. Now, of course, he was not alone in this process a uh, protest, and with him that day as part of the process was Sean. Yeah. So. Sean, I guess maybe you can tell us a bit more about this uh, now infamous MRT protest. What was it about? Um, How did it happen? Why did you guys do it?
2: All right. So uh, the protest was in commemoration of the 30th anniversary of this thing called Operation Spectrum. Basically, 30 years ago, the government went around and accused a bunch of people of Uh, partaking in a conspiracy to overthrow the government and install communism. Uh, Yeah, even though no evidence could be produced to substantiate the facts, um, and even though it was a detention without trial, somehow this happened. This black mark uh, remains with us uh, in our history as Singaporeans. It's on our conscience, right? So I was contacted I was asked, "Do you want to take part in this uh, protest? Um, it's going to be about Operation Spectrum." And immediately, I kind of felt a huge personal resonance with it because this happened when I was what, like 22? Yeah, happened when I was 22. And this was the period where I was in university, and we were talking about, we were talking a lot about Marxism. We were talking a lot about communism, critique of capitalism, critique of neoliberal capitalism. Um, I was in Wake Up Singapore. I had kind of just first started to get into Wake Up Singapore at the time. We were posting things that critiqued capitalism, that critiqued, um, you know, the financial and economic system that we were in. And of course, this is the period as well of like Occupy Wall Street. And I was just thinking the reason that we can have these frank and open discussions about our economic system um, is, is due in large part uh, to the work that was laid by the people who were arrested um, back in 1987 during Operation Spectrum, due to the activists who have spoken up about this uh, cruel treatment of our own citizens. Um, yeah, the 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 fact that that Marxism or, or or economic theory, economic philosophy, can be discussed at all really has. Harkens back to this time, so it struck a very personal chord with me, and I said, "Yeah, let's do it." Yeah.
0: So there's a whole bunch of things to unpack there, yeah. right? Um, let's start with Operation Spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as as I think many of the people listening to this podcast know, it was the arrest of. Um, I forget the exact number, 24, 27... Something, so something like <laughs> that. Um, activists uh, back in 1986 uh, who were accused of being part of a Marxist conspiracy mm. uh, which was led by uh, the political exile Tanwa Piao uh, all the way from London. Mm. Um, and of course, this is all nonsense. There was no Marxist conspiracy. Uh, but the then... Um, Prime Minister Lee Kuan Yew and the PAP government arrested all these people and said they were part of a conspiracy to um, you know, overthrow, subvert the government, introduce mm-hmm. a Marxist state, blah, 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 all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it was, the, uh, was fear of revolutions which were sweeping uh, Asia um, as the Cold War waned and as citizens demanded change. And of course, this this is the period where we have uh, um, change arriving in South Korea, in Taiwan, in the Philippines, right? Liberation theology. And that's why many of the detainees were Catholics, because mm. liberation theology was growing very, very, you know, it was becoming very compelling and powerful. Mm. Um, and so this is why the... Uh, PAP government acted out of fear to suppress many of these people, arrest and detain them without trial uh, because it was afraid that its own power would be challenged, especially at a time where they were planning for a transition of power from Lee Kuan Yew to Go Chok Tong. So um, this this is the sort of very sordid history of Operation Spectrum and uh, the fact is that the government today has all but admitted it no longer defends Operation Spectrum, and it has all but admitted that it, it was a huge mistake. And these people were all arrested and detained without trial for, you know, no no reason whatsoever. Hmm. Some of them up to two years, I think. So long was two years. Um, some of them months. Other people were exiled and uh, left Singapore, um, never to return. Many of them are still in exile. Hmm. Um, So this is a a horrific, um, but not isolated incident in Singapore's history, Mm. right? It was part of a broader pattern of detention without trial, as the facts have shown uh, since the fifties, over 2,500 people in Singapore have been detained without trial, um, using the two various, the two clauses of the Internal Security Act, which permitted, and uh, the and these, uh, well, none of these people have been um, brought to trial in open court on the charges they were originally detained under. Hmm. So uh, this is part of a huge, broad pattern of uh, abuse of power by the People's Action Party government. Okay, so that's just a brief recap of all of this, hmm. right? And uh, so I'm just wondering, Sean, when did you first hear about, because you, you were born after... Um,
2: you yeah, well after. <laughs> well after yeah.
0: Operation Spectrum. How did you first hear about it?
2: Um, I think I first heard about it um, from a documentary that was showing at the projector. Uh, this was way back. This is when I was still with the like SDP Youth Wing. Mm. Um, oh, and there's another episode on that. But yeah, this mm. was way back when I was with SDP Youth Wing. Um, they had a little thing where we would all kind of go to the theater and then check out the film. And um And it was rated R twenty one. I think a lot of us couldn't watch the film, mm. um so I think we didn't end up going to see the film. But that really piqued my interest. um Yeah, it, it piqued my interest as to why why was there a Marxist conspiracy in the first place? Yeah, like what was going on? You know, I didn't even get to see the film. That was the worst part. I I saw the synopsis right, right. and it was kind of like okay. Um, There were a bunch of people accused of being Marxists, thrown in jail for no rhyme or reason. How? You know, so I just thought something's not adding up here. So I went to do my research, right? Uh, And then I realized, okay, yeah, so they really really did it. They really threw a bunch of people in jail and tortured and abused them for no reason, under no cover other than they're Marxists. Mm -hmm. So that led me, ironically, down the rabbit hole of, what is Marxism? Is it really such a dangerous ideology? Is it so bad? And so in a weird way, the fact that the government did spectrum kind of led me to, into learning about Marxism and getting more into the uh, grotesque details of of Singapore's history. So so yeah, that's how I first um, ended up getting acquainted with this. And then that's how, and then from there, I found out about Cold Store as well. Mm. Um, Yeah. How ironic. Yes.
0: And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, with with, with me, um, I was just an academic doing research. It was their attempt to silence me, and especially when they ensured that I couldn't work in Singapore again, that started me down the path of getting, I guess, quote-unquote radicalized, you know, against the government. Because um, if they had just ignored me, I guess I would have simply been um, just another historian quietly doing his research somewhere at a university, somewhere. But th- th- it's funny how the act of suppression mm-hmm. actually angers people and drives so much attention to it. It's uh, the Streisand effect, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and even, you know, on, on, on that note, right, of the Streisand effect, I think when I, when I got into the protest, I didn't even really think that it was a protest, this is just my personal thing. Maybe I'm blur or naive or something, but <laughs> I didn't even think it was a protest. To me, when I got called, uh, you know, asked to do this, and then I sort of, you know, I asked, okay, what are we going to be doing? All of a sudden, MRT, put blindfolds around ourselves and read a book. I, I thought it was kind of like a flash mob thing. I didn't, I didn't yeah, think, Right, I, right. Didn't, I really, I genuinely, maybe I'm naive, maybe, you know, maybe well, you I'm were genuinely 22, naive. You know, you know I, I really didn't see anything subversive or, or particularly, like, um, threatening or, like, rebellious about it. I just thought, okay, you know, this is more of, like, a show of solidarity. Maybe people will kind of, like, figure out about it. It's kind of like one of those book launch promotional things where yeah. you do, like, a flash mob thing. And then the moment it was done, it was, like, a huge deal. Like, everybody was everybody was talking about it. There was, like, a Straits Time report um the police showed up at my place i got called up for it and then they told me you're gonna have to you you're probably gonna have to appear in court you know either as a witness you might be charged i was like it it didn't make it did not make and it still doesn't make any sense to me it really still strikes me as this is a what is the difference between this and a flash mob i i don't get it you know
0: yeah i mean there's 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 a whole bunch of things unpacked there because first of all small in singapore if you do things for crass money-making reasons hey that's okay yeah. right make all the money you want hey, you can stick up all the stickers you want if you want to make money right we see all the uh locksmith right yeah you, you know stickers everywhere right every single um you know mrt block uh sorry HDB block yeah there's one, one outside my yeah. house
2: really. i yeah. take it out and they put one there and you know that's all right they gotta you know you gotta make money but we did yeah. the same thing you know and we took it off they left it there you yes. know the locksmiths they leave it there and okay you know no no problem with that I'm fine with it but we we put up the 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 signs we put mm. up the posters and then after that we took them down mm. I I yeah. don't get it.
0: <laughs> there are flash mobs on YouTube in Raffles Place, right? Mm-hmm. Where they're trying to sell a product.
2: Yeah. Nobody complains. And that's actually yeah. disruptive, right? Yeah. I mean I like, I mean okay, again, I'm a very chill person. Um, I don't mind do that, right? It's just I can't walk through the flash mob, so I have yeah. to make a big detour. I remember it happened at Neon City once. We we didn't oh, disrupt yeah, didn't anything. We? Yeah. We didn't you know, we didn't disrupt anything. <laughs> Yeah. We even we even said at the start, okay, if there's somebody that's old or pregnant or differently able, you know, we'll tell you, you get out and seat, you give them the seat. So right. we had that done, we had that settled, we were like zero disruption whatsoever, mm. you know. And somehow this, I don't know, probably struck a raw nerve or something.
0: Well, of course, because it's it's what. It's about right. You were trying to, as as I think the law says, cause based. Although what is a cause? Anything mm-hmm. is a cause. You you know why would you do anything for no reason? Yeah. People don't hold flash mobs for no reason. Mm-hmm. You know. So uh, this
2: is this is.
0: Um, a, I mean that that's an, another thing that we can talk about yeah. later, right? The law. is this is, is so this based. is
2: I think where I got a bit more politically radical. This is where I got a bit more defiant because. When they said, okay, you're go- we're going to charge you with this, right? Yeah. When I think I saw the comments on Facebook, right, that were like, oh, lock them up, you know, jail them forever, life imprisonment, whatever, mm. you know? Um, that's when I realized um, something is severely wrong with this country, not only uh, in terms of our laws and our politicians and our judiciary system. Uh, that would allow such a thing to be chargeable that is really indifferentiable from a flash mob but also with the people and the culture right it is deeply sick and wrong that mm. people would be saying hey you 22 year old boy get locked up forever okay there's some that's yeah. when it hit me personally that there's something deeply wrong and you need to push further yeah
0: mm. especially for just peacefully expressing your opinion at a time where our government has asked us to be more participatory citizens, Mm. right? But of course, participatory for them means agree with us, right? Take part in the process and agree with us. Mm. You know, you take part in the process and disagree, they don't want to hear that. And of course, the contrast with how um, young or even old people are behaving in the countries around us where protests happen a lot because there, there is very ineffective, inefficient government which does not listen to the concerns of the citizens. So there's protests all over the place. And you get thousands, tens, hundreds of thousands of people in the center of Jakarta or Kuala Lumpur. You, how many of you were there? Seven, eight people? God, I can't eight remember. What, eight, nine people? Yeah. yeah. In an MRT train, you didn't cause a disturbance. You didn't even say anything. You just stood there and pretended to read. I thought reading was a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> you don't well, get blindfolds on. Yeah, you know, right? on
2: on that on that note, right? Um, I, I I read the 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 news article and the judge had apparently said like, he notes that we didn't cause any disruption, that we weren't belligerent, but decided to add in a little addendum there and then and say, but you know, it could have caused confusion and anxiety to the commuters there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, it
2: could have. And I just thought that's, that's bizarre because we, I don't think that we did, I don't think that we did, you know, um, cause any confusion or anxiety. And I think even if we did, it's something that needs to be talked about. Mm. And I mean, recently I saw somebody wear a shirt that said, I'm stupid, you know, and that caused me confusion and anxiety. <laughs> I'm right. worried about this person's mental health. But then you see the weird precedent you're setting is that if anybody gets confused or anxious by anything that you do, if you wear a weird T-shirt, mm. if you have different hair, right, if you present yourself differently, if you say something that may be controversial, that may be different, you're gonna, you're gonna, you could very possibly be uh, in contravention of some law. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a weird thing to set up there. But even taking a
0: step back, right, the judge said could have caused Mm -hmm. confusion and anxiety. So he's tacitly admitting that you didn't. You can't convict people on the basis of things that they didn't actually do, right? If you didn't cause confusion, you know, it's not illegal to cause confusion and anxiety, Mm. but you didn't cause it. So why is that an issue? Why is that part of the judge's statement? And then the fact that, as you just pointed out, causing confusion, anxiety is a problem. I mean, this was a protest. You know, you weren't pretending that it was actually, you know, benign. You were trying to make a political point. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of a protest, protests occur when governments don't give people avenues through which citizens can actually peacefully express themselves and know that they'll be listened. Mm -hmm. Protests are last resort, you know, People don't wake up in the morning and go, you know, I think I'll protest today.
2: Yeah. No one wants to do that. Yeah, we just I, I, I gotta say, you know, if, if, this, if this had been a situation where the government had said, you know what, we apologize for what happened. It's never going to happen again. We're going to amend uh, the laws and the way that we do things to make sure that this ugly, horrific event never occurs again. Nobody would protest this. Mm. Nobody would care, right? Mm. You know, I. nobody would have made a documentary. No bunch of kids would have gotten, like, really upset that this happened. It would have been settled. The reason why this was even done was because the government didn't do anything at all to rectify this issue or even show the, the, the slightest sympathy for the victims and their mm. families. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it it'd be so simple. I suppose maybe not for the Prime Minister, given that... He, the current Prime Minister, defended the action very strongly, mm-hmm. right? He had just come into Parliament. He entered Parliament 84. He was the newbie trying to make his name for himself and prove that mm-hmm. you know, he was uh, a future leader, uh, Prime Minister in waiting. And so he very strongly defended the, um, the detentions. Mm-hmm. And, and we know for a fact that he said things on national TV which have been proven to be false, mm-hmm. Right. Um, including the fact that they were not tortured.
2: Yeah. Um, I remember there was a yeah. clip where he said something along the lines of, um, one of the mothers of the detainees called me and said that her, her, her kid had gained weight while in. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. was like, what, what are you saying, man?
0: <laughs> it's like uh, recently the, the announcement that, oh, uh, that kid who was detained under ISA did better in his exams. You know, he says he he did better in his
2: his exams than if he hadn't been detained. I mean, what kind of logic is that? It's it's one of those those really bizarre things that just strikes you as really, really comical at first. Um, It struck me uh, with disbelief. I didn't believe that he could have said that. You know, I give him a bit more credit than that. Um, But it's there. And then you have to wonder what would possess a human being to say something so bizarrely asinine. There mm. has to be a lot on, at, at stake here, mm. right? Um, and then that's where I think a lot of people, myself included, you know, you get, a lot of young people, we get suspicious. We're like, well, what's going on here? And then this is where the digging uh, begins. Yeah. Uh,
0: I was bringing up Lee Sin-Lung um, because I, oh yes, my point was going to be that it would be so easy for the government to simply say, hey, we made a mistake, forget it. And, uh, you know, we apologize mm-hmm. and we admit that we were wrong. Mm-hmm. Why, can't, why can't they do it? You know, what on earth stops them given that they know that they were wrong and have tacitly admitted as such and don't even defend that position? For example, in the select committee, when it was brought up, uh, Kirsten brought it up and they, um, I think it was Edwin Tong, who, who he didn't even defend it. He He just ignored it. He just, mm. you know. Um, and when, when I bring it up, they simply say, oh, it's an opinion, mm-hmm. right? Um, they don't POFMA me, right? Mm-hmm. Which is very significant because if they had proof and they insist they have proof, they always insist that they have proof, they could, they could use POFMA on me. Mm-hmm. They've never used POFMA on me for that. Yeah. So that is, the fact is that if they have tacitly admitted that there is no evidence and they were wrong. So it would be so easy for the government mm-hmm especially if you're trying to draw a line right there's so many things the government can ha, could have done in previous years to draw a line under the past and and wash their hands of so many mistakes uh, oh, yeah. that the Lee Kuan Yew government did mm-hmm. if it weren't for the fact of course that they need his they you know they need his legacy to keep getting elected and his son is prime minister and he's trying to protect his father's legacy especially the whole Oxley Road and all that nonsense
2: yeah so i mean, i'm i uh, the, the the big thing that 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 I, I feel is that um, this, this not, uh, not apologizing in the face of overwhelming evidence, I think is, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but the effect that it had on me, I think mm. when all was said and done after this event was that I, I lost faith almost entirely in, in the government, in the state. Mm. I, I did not feel that this was uh, an administration that cared or would listen um or would operate by any kind of logic or yeah. rationality. Um it had its own interests and its agenda which were quite plain for everyone to see, but it would follow those things. Yeah. Not a shred or smidgen of any kind of reasoning or rationale uh would get through.
0: Or even human decency. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Which I which is which is sad because I think I, I'm as you can tell, a bit naive and a bit happy-go-lucky sometimes. And I really thought, you know what, maybe we can work with the government. Maybe if we try and push policy, maybe if opposition, if the opposition says certain things, you know, the government will pick up and listen. Uh, yeah, I think after this thing, uh, mm. after this event, after this protest, uh, I, I gave up any any hope in that. Yeah,
0: You know, that's very interesting for me to hear because, of course, I am... Um what, 15, 16 years older than you. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty much of a different political generation in that I've grown up in an era which, you know, I do remember from my childhood seeing uh, Tracing the Conspiracy on TV, mm-hmm. right? Even though I was seven years old, I had no idea really what I was seeing, but I do remember it. And um, I do remember all these hushed whispers, you know, fear. Whereas you're from a generation where they stopped using ISA on political detainees pretty much after that. Ko yeah. Chok Tong never used it on political detainees, but mm-hmm. he did start using it on um, quote-unquote Muslim terrorists after 9-11. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't use it at all in, uh, in his term until that, yeah. that point in time. So you've actually grown up at a, in a different generation which doesn't have as much fear as we do. You know, mm-hmm. despite the fact it's only fifteen, sixteen years between us, yeah. Um, and you've also grown up in under the Singapore story, right? Mm-hmm. The the whole propaganda campaign that the PAP government started in ninety six, ninety seven, to really inculcate young Singaporeans with this idea that the PAP created everything that was good about Singapore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm very interested in in what you're saying now that you've kind of got very disillusioned. Uh, can you take me through that journey? Like, how how would you characterize how you saw the PAP government in Singapore and its role in Singapore before this, mm-hmm. and then uh, encountering the untracing the conspiracy, and then uh, what you went through with the protests and after that, and how did this change your attitude towards the government and the system?
2: Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think I I began getting interested in politics at you know the typical age that anybody does which is 16 17 18 um, and i think the hope that that the hope that i had and the hope that i think most people have and want to have is um, you know why that that we work with the government right that we critique the government and that it kind of responds in kind right it takes these suggestions it it, it thinks about and it reflects about not just policy and where we're headed, but also about its past and about its national conscience, right? That's kind of the belief that I had and that I still want to have. But going through this, um, I think the first thing that struck me about Operation Cold and about Operation Spectrum, right, even though I'd never lived through it, is a sense of confusion, right? How could this happen? How could this be allowed and then were still kind of swept under the rug. That's kind of scary for me, right? It strikes me as being something like if you were in an abusive relationship, or Mm -hmm. if you knew someone abusive, they did someone, something abusive and never owned up to it. The, not only is there indignation and dehumanization there, but there's also the fear that they don't really know that what they did was wrong and that you are at risk of a second attack, and it can come back at any moment. And in a way, it kind of has, because I didn't live through Spectrum, but I did live through Ji Sun Zuan, mm. uh, and I lived through Silan Lan And so in a way, yeah, that 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 hypothesis is quite is quite correct. I would say this abusive partner or this abusive person never really stopped being abusive because they never really realized that what they were doing was abusive to begin with. Mm. Uh, and then I felt myself become quite unfairly a subject of this abuse because, um, yeah, again, I came in and. I, had no, I, I really did not think that this was the most subversive or defiant thing ever. I wasn't out there to cause mayhem. Um, and then I felt the machinery being brought down on me, right? Um, not in the way that would be as bad as, any, you know, anything that Jolliver or Ceylan have faced. Uh, but still, you know, sending the police to my house, um, you know, is, is a very horrifying experience for my family. They were very distraught, um, you know, and then having kind of my face plastered all over the newspapers. That was horrifying, right? Uh, and then getting calls saying that you, you might be charged, you might, be, uh, you might have to go to court and stand witness. Um, those things were extremely difficult uh, and, and weirdly disproportionate, you mm. know. I, I, it, it, it didn't make any sense to me, first of all, um it it hurt it damaged me you know my mental health suffered a lot mm. uh my school definitely suffered as well um yeah it it that was the point i think where i realized that all of this was happening and none of it made any sense whatsoever international organizations were coming out to speak about it um there were groups and individuals who were coming out and pointing out all of the things that were bizarre and wrong and dismantling the government's um, arguments and assumptions. It didn't make any difference on the state or on these die-hard, you know, state status supporters. It didn't make any difference. It was like the logic and the reasoning and the arguments just kind of flew over their head or just slipped off of them like water of a yeah. duck's back. That was the point where I realized. No, they're not. They're not. They're not going to listen. Um, not just the state, but the people who empower and condone this kind of behavior of the state. They're not going to listen. They can't. I think. Now, I think they're physically, uh, mentally incapable of it. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't know if they're mentally incapable, but mm-hmm. uh, there's that famous quote about uh, you can't convince someone of something that they are paid, uh, you know, not to believe. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think the incentive structure around um, many of the people in Singapore who uh, run, the, run the government and who enforce the laws, mm-hmm. um, it's a very powerful incentive structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their roles are very well defined. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not to say that they are stupid. I don't think they are. Or mm-hmm. to say that they're corrupt. They're yeah. not. But they have... They're hired to do a certain job mm-hmm. which is well-defined and they do that job, mm-hmm. right? And that's how the system works. Mm. So it's not that you know we think of civil servants or police officers as your friend, yeah. but that's not how it works in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Police officers are there to enforce the law, mm-hmm. but the laws are written by politicians for very explicit purposes. And in Singapore, many of those... Those purposes mm-hmm. align very much with the interests of the
2: PAP. Oh yeah, yeah. So when I say that they are mentally incapable of dealing with it, right? You mm-hmm. know, I don't think that I don't mean that they are stupid or mm. or or you know, uh, not smart people because I think a lot of them uh, are intelligent, fiercely intelligent in their fields. But I think when it comes to politics and the way that they see our national identity, our national consciousness, um, and um, the state of politics in general. There is a mental schema that is set up that fiercely guards against any form of change, any form of uh, protest, any pointing out that something is wrong. Uh, and it's tied into very deep-seated existential issues about who they are and about the the, the power and the superiority of this country. So... Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a huge, huge problem that, you know, the state has engendered uh, and which is reciprocally being uh, condoned and empowered by these individuals.
0: Yeah. So talking about these laws, then let's uh, get into some of these laws. Did you know at the time that you were doing it that mm-hmm. you were going to violate um, this, the Public
2: Order Act or the mm-hmm. Vandalism Act? Did you have any inkling of that? Okay. Vandalism Act. No, I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know what it counts. It doesn't. Okay. First of all, it it, it doesn't and shouldn't. But anyway, yeah, (laughs) I had no idea. Um, Public Order Act. Yes, I had some idea Mm. that it might contravene that. Um, But again, you know, it's it's very I, I personally didn't feel that it it did. You know, I get that in my head that there was a chance too, because mm-hmm. again, you, it depends on how you interpret these laws. Um, you know, if I have a hundred people um, doing like a dance in city hall, that could be a disturbance of the public order act. Um, you know, if I have a bunch of friends and they're, and they're doing some strange thing for TikTok or Vine or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, that could be a disturbance. So, you know, I thought, okay, yeah, you know, there's a possibility, but you know, what 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 is the worst that can happen? We're not, we're not you know, we're not screaming with black hearts or we're not blocking the road or anything. Yeah. So I had a sense that it was possible. I didn't think um, mm. it was. I think I really had a lot of faith in the rationality of the government for some reason back then. <laughs> uh, and yeah, all of that came came crumbling down. Yeah.
0: So for, for listeners who uh, may not be clear, let's just go through it briefly, right? The Public Order Act basically makes any form of public political expression, illegal, without a permit. Mm -hmm. So it defines a public assembly as one person and a public procession as one person or more, of -hmm. course. And for anything that is cause-related, you have to apply for a permit Mm -hmm. from the police. Can you get a permit? Almost never, Mm -hmm. right? And um, many people have tried for all sorts of various things. I think, I think most recently, Terry Shee applied for, this is editor-in-chief of The Online Citizen, applied for a permit for, I think, a, a one-hour uh, protest at like 11 p.m. at night in Tuas near the, the lamppost. Is it the mm-hmm. lamppost with the stickers on it? Yeah. uh On some very minor thing like animal cruelty or something like that, you know? I can't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. And he was rejected, right? Yeah. So um, it's it's next to impossible to get a permit. Uh, And many of the people who do get permits happen to be, surprise, surprise, somehow um, associated with the PAP or with the government. Mm -hmm. The Vandalism Act um, is very interesting because you don't actually need to damage any property to be considered vandalism. The Vandalism Act was amended in 1968 specifically because opposition politicians who were being hounded and harassed like hell at the time, went out and were putting up um, public signs protesting the Singa- Singapore's involvement in the Vietnam War. Right, we were mm-hmm. taking part on the U.S. side, and that's a decision which has not aged well, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one of the the ways in which uh, opposition politicians were getting around laws against uh, you know public assembly was by simply putting up signs, and so what the PAP government did was to create a law that was completely unreasonable and disproportionate in that the Vandalism Act um, criminalizes the public communication of information even if no damage has occurred. And it also uh, includes huge fines and strokes of the cane Mm. for repeat offenders, which is completely disproportionate to what the Act is. And of course, that then came to sort of, I don't know if you you might say backfired, but it had unexpected consequences with the whole Michael Fay incident because Mm -hmm. he committed public vandalism and they had to apply caning and then found that, oh, wait a moment, Um, this is causing an international incident. But that's Mm -hmm. a whole different story. But the point of both of these things is we have laws which actually are very different from what a reasonable person might think is vandalism mm-hmm. or a public procession. Yeah. And the scope of these laws is so broad, as I've repeatedly said, that they allow the government to interpret them basically in any way they want or as I've put it in a now infamous uh, advertisement, discretion. <laughs> right. Yeah, so did you, you didn't have any inkling of this at the time. You, you actually, um, if, uh, what you were saying, yeah. felt that there was going to be a reasonable interpretation.
2: Yeah, I thought that there was going to be a reasonable interpretation of the Public Auto Act, and the vandalism thing didn't even come up, because that's not the way you use the word vandalism in yeah. the English <laughs> language, It's not. that's yeah. not vandalism. Vandalism is when you destroy or you deface public property, or somebody else's property. It's not when you take a A4 piece of paper, put it on a train, take it down after two hours. So why would anybody have any reason to suspect that that would have been in contravention of a law on vandalism? Nobody would have thought that, mm-hmm. right? But okay. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so so this is why, you know. Um, it, it, it it didn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense. And the effect that that had on me is just, I, I, I gave up. I don't think, you know, um, I, I did not believe that they the state was capable of interpreting the laws or making the laws in a in a fair and rational way any longer.
0: You know, I think
2: what you're saying, you know, it, it, it kind of strikes a chord because I hear this story a lot
0: and it doesn't even have to be dramatic in the sense that you held a protest. But I, I see so many people who were idealistic and wanted a better Singapore mm-hmm. and wanted to take part in the creation of a better Singapore mm-hmm. and then come up against this very ruthless, harsh government, Mm -hmm. right, which crushed all dissent. And even if it was something very minor, Mm -hmm. you know, just small changes, and they wrote in something and the response they got was extremely discouraging, or they even, you know, got completely ignored and, or even, or disparaged, right, Mm -hmm. disproportionate to what they were doing. So I'm I'm just not um surprised but I'm it always moves me and makes me feel disappointed because you know we're all people just trying to help make Singapore better mm-hmm. and instead what we get is is our spirits crushed mm-hmm. and then the government complains oh Singaporeans are apathetic and don't care <laughs> I mean come on yeah. you know or or Singaporeans just leave right those who mm-hmm. can leave leave yeah, yeah.
2: I have to say that uh, on a on a positive note though that um you know it's been almost four years since the protest was held um, yeah I think retrospectively looking at it um, that was one of the best things that I've done in my life right that was uh I think something that allowed me to really see and feel and experience firsthand the violence of the state um it was something that. Um, when, I, when I looked it up on, on social media, right, because I was with Wake Up Singapore, we have access to numbers that you can look up. And, you know, that was something that got people talking about Operation Spectrum. So, you know, uh, the way I see it is that with a lot of these protests, it's a bunch of people taking one for the team and mm. raising these issues, and making sure that they're not swept under the rug. And it's the same thing now with the MOE protests, right? Yes. It was dying down. Uh, in terms of its reach uh, in terms of its views the news story was was fading out of the news cycle then the protests happen and it goes back up to page one uh, and beyond that right I think that the protests really show people that um, you know at least at least for some of the young younger individuals at least for some people who are more on the fence right I think they're beginning to realize that this is this is what happens when or well, this is what needs to be done when the government simply will not listen, will mm. not change your mind. We're going to kind of bypass that, right? Yes. If we write into the state, right? If we try and make our voices heard on all sorts of platforms and all sorts of media, and every time we get either just some heartless, dehumanizing, insensitive response, like we did with Spectrum, like we did with the uh, MOE case, right? if nothing's going to change, you don't change any of the laws. You don't change any of the standard operating procedures. This is what, this is what we're going to do. And I think people are recognizing that slowly, through exposure, activists do not break the law. They do not engage in civil disobedience unless they are really not being heard, unless mm. it is the absolute final last straw. Uh, because nobody wants to go through that. Mm. Nobody wants to put themselves in that kind of danger. Uh, go through that kind of pain. Um, they really only do it because nothing's happening. the 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 government is not responding properly, and the story's fading out of the news cycle. Something needs to be done, and it's and this is what's happening. So I'm I'm really glad that I took part in it. I'm really proud of the activists that did it again with the MOE protests. Mm. Yeah, and I salute
0: you for your courage because you know I've never taken part in a non-Hong Lim Park protest in Singapore. Um, and it takes a lot of courage, in especially in the Singapore context, to actually to get up and do this and be willing to take these risks. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, um, you know, we live in a country where the government has incredibly overwhelming power to reach into your life mm-hmm. and destroy it if they want. Mm-hmm. Right. They... Uh, house 80% of the people in Singapore through HDB, they control 85% of the land, hmm. they can determine, you know, so much, because they control so much of the economy, they they can make uh, ensure that you're blacklisted from any sort of government-funded job, mm-hmm. right? They can affect... This is a government which can influence where you live, who you marry, what race you are, right? How many children you have, where they go to school. So it's no surprise that people are very much afraid of the government and it takes massive, massive stones to stand up to it. So I salute you. I salute everyone who took part in this protest with you and especially we salute John Levin Wong. For being willing to risk everything and fight for our civil liberties again and again.
2: Oh yeah, I I always think if if Jolivan wasn't around, where would, where would we be? Yeah. I mean because yeah, I think I think we've really reached a point where. It's, it's becoming more and more apparent that the state is not going to listen, right? And if we don't engage in civil disobedience and if we don't push for these issues in a, in a public way, right, um, they're just going to get swept under the rug. It's really just going to be, you know, a bunch of people in civil society writing letters to nobody and nothing gets changed. Um, yeah, so I'm really, really amazed at the work that Jonathan is doing and really, yeah, where, where will we be if, if, mm. if it wasn't um, for him? And I still remember when the whole thing went down, um, he he called me out for for dinner and he said, you know, if 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 you're in any emotional distress or anything like, let me know. And I just thought, wow, what do you what do you mean? You're the one that's going yeah. to. <laughs> what do you mean me? You know, you're the one that that's that's facing the the issues there. So, um, yeah, I think the strength and the courage that I've seen from activism. Uh, and activists like Jonathan Wham uh, and Ceylon as well. That's what keeps me going because mm. you, where would you see this fire, this amazing power of the human spirit if not for activism? Yeah.
0: And I think it's important to remember that the people we remember and respect most in Asian history are the people who engaged in civil disobedience, in protests. The revolutionaries, right—the people who overthrew empires, the Gandhis, the Jose Rizals, the mm-hmm. Ho Chi Minhs the Minotos, and all the heroes of the Indonesian revolution—and of course, in Singapore, you know Lee Kuan Yew was a man who was the leader of an anti-colonial, anti-imperial movement—and this is where the sheer hypocrisy of the PAP really. It's just so galling because the PAP organized protests all the time when they were an anti-colonial opposition party, Mm -hmm. right? They committed what they would define today as vandalism all the time. So many protests, so many rallies, so much civil disobedience. And of course, the moment they get into power, all of that starts going out the window. And within a few short years you know, they're passing ridiculous laws like the Vandalism Act and they're mm-hmm. crushing all dissent. So it's just the sheer hypocrisy of it, mm-hmm. you know, really infuriates me. But, you know, Jolivan stands in good company, right? With yeah. Mandela, right? With uh, Martin Luther King, people who led civil disobedience. And we may be a tiny country, but it, it matters. What he does matters to all of us and will be remembered well by history. Yeah. So going forward... Jolovan still has two charges against him, which he, you know, he's been in jail so much at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's faced so many charges, but he's still got two more charges. And I think he's really pushing the boundaries of just seeing how ridiculous things can get because the two remaining charges are for holding up a blank piece of paper in front of the, I think it's the state courts mm-hmm. and holding up a smiley face uh, in support of the uh, climate strikers in front of 125 police station mm-hmm. in both cases he just took a photo and left and they charged him with again breaching the public order act mm. <sighs> i mean i'm i'm out of words at that point how do you mm. even criminalize a person taking a photo on public property you know
2: on <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah I, yeah i mean it it it's it's, it's, I think it's it's interesting right how okay with the MRT protests you know for me at least that's when I saw okay the state doesn't make sense right but I think what Jollivan has done is to demonstrate irrefutably and clearly and decisively that this state is not one that operates on logic or reason or common sense not not at all if it's holding a smiley up and taking a photo and leaving you can be charged for that right? Um, there's there's no there's no way that any argument um, flies there mm-hmm. whatsoever. Um, so yeah, I I I say power to them because you know we all know that the state is not one that listens that mm-hmm. it's inhumane and it doesn't make sense. How do you demonstrate that? How do you show in a scientific and objective way the state doesn't care? With a smiley, right? So he figured out how to how to show it, how to lay it bare for Singapore and for the world so that, you know, the minds slowly change so that in 15, 30 years, when we look back at this, we realize what were we thinking back then, you know, Yeah. a smiley, <laughs> this is how it's going to go down in the history books, a smiley face, really? <laughs>
0: uh, is this really how this PAP government wants to be remembered, <laughs> locking people up for taking photos with smiley face i mean
2: but i mean again that's why that's why i love activism because that's the kind of smart cunning move that that i love you know that Mm. when i saw i was like damn Mm. you know this guy (laughs) this guy he think he really thinks of everything yeah Mm. um yeah and how much further can the state keep up you know uh and and what is he gonna what is he gonna think of next what is the next wave of activists going to do um, how are they going to challenge and demonstrate uh, the hypocrisy, right? Because, you know, as as if even if you are the most diehard PAP supporter, right, even if you're somebody that, you know, couldn't be bothered with politics, um, I think a lot of people look at this and they get a little bit disenfranchised, they get a little bit affected by it, right? And it chips away slowly, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, is this really vandalism? Ah, uh, never mind, I'll look the other way. And then after that, a smiley face. Is this really a protest? Okay, can I look away anymore? You know, mm-hmm. it gets harder and harder for people to turn their eyes away. Um, and, and, it, and it shows, you know, uh, for people who haven't been ingrained and brainwashed into the system, you know, young people that are coming up. If this is the first bit of politics, the first bit of local news that you see, you know, straight away. That's gonna let you know, hey, we've we've got some very severe issues in the government. Please pay attention. Everything is not um milk and honey, like you were told in school. Uh there's there's a sick rot here. Yeah. So mm. so I think that these that this culture or this uh movement of civil disobedience in very creative ways, I think is first brilliant and really witty to watch, but then also just an ingenious way of of of, of changing minds. Yeah.
0: And that's why, um, as you mentioned, activism is just so important. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so I think we're out of time, but I want to urge all of you who are listening to take a photo of a smiley face and put it up on your Facebook or your Twitter, show support for Jollivan Wam and what he's doing for us and for our society, for our civil liberties, for our human rights. Um, And, um, you know, support Jollivan and support uh, all these other civil society organizations as best as you can uh terry she at the online citizen of course for the work he does and of course wake up singapore you know f- uh, follow them uh, on instagram and facebook and check out the work that sean is doing so thanks very much for uh, being a guest on our podcast sean <laughs> thanks thanks yeah, yeah and and you know again salute to you for your courage for your bravery um and uh, yeah just a big thank you on behalf of all singaporeans for what
2: you've done yeah let's keep this fight going
0: Okay, and thank you as always to all of you who are listening, who joined us on our Discord and uh, who are listening to this on the podcast. And if you have enjoyed what you've heard, if you find it useful, if you find it important, please do support New Narrative. Uh, We rely entirely on membership, revenue and donations. So newnarrative.com slash join to join as a member and newnarrative.com slash donate to donate to New Narrative. Thank you very much and see you next time.